This Ends at Prom is a critical analysis show and is being produced in solidarity with the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. The podcast you're about to hear was produced during the strikes, and without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the movie being reviewed here wouldn't exist. For more information, feel free to visit the Freelance Solidarity Project at freelancesolidarity.org. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to This Ends at Prom. A coming-of-age podcast highlighting cinema about or marketed towards teen girls. I'm one of your hosts, BJ Colangelo, and I'm joined by my wife. Harmony Colangelo, a trans woman who grew up watching none of these movies. Is today's movie a queen bee? Or are we killing the teen dream? Get in, loser. We're analyzing the movies people make fun of us for loving. Twice as hard for the same motherfucking title, but I realize that I probably won't be so lucky. Welcome back, prom party. Hello. We are back with another edition of some twin magic on the pod. It's been a bit since we've done twins, isn't it? It has been. We haven't done a twin movie in quite some time. The last time being It Takes Two with Kristen Lopez. And this movie has a very funny connection to that movie because they're basically the same movie, but not at all. Yeah, we did. Oh, God, that was like a million years ago, wasn't it? It really was. It was It was a long, long time ago, but now we have a different movie about twins where one is a little bit like sporty and the other one's a little bit more posh, and for whatever reason, their dad is going to marry a gold-digging blonde with incredible eyebrows. <laughs> I mean, she does, though. <laughs> they both do. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, but The Parent Trap is turning 25 this year. That makes me feel a thousand years old. I don't know. It's, it makes sense because like you would have probably seen this as like a seven year old. Like this feels like a movie that a lot of people watched before the age of 10. So that, that it checks out. The math is correct. That's very true. And this is another one of those movies that I won't say is quite in the level of living in my bones the way some of the movies are that we talk about. But this is definitely up there. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about it. But luckily, we are not alone today. Joining us from comicbook.com and one of the hosts of the Phase Zero podcast is our dear friend and hopefully now yours, Jamie Jurek. Hi, Jamie. Hello. This movie is in my bones, so I'm so excited to talk about it with you both. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. So the first question that I ask any of our guests is, of all of the teen movies, why this one? Why do you want to talk about this movie? Well, first, you already did Cruel Intentions on the pod. So, that's true. Uh, that, that's the first reason. No, this one, um, I I saw this in theaters when I was eight, and I, I was just so obsessed with it. And I have a habit, even as an adult, of rewatching things over and over and over again. There's no limit to how much I can watch things. And this is one of them. This is my, this is my comfort movie. If I am feeling sad, this is my go-to movie. It will make me feel better. I have, there's so many reasons why I love it. I am obsessed with twins, and that comes from uh, being obsessed with 
with Mary-Kate and Ashley as a kid. Um, and this is just, I loved It Takes Two so much. And this is, I hate to say it, but this is just a better It Takes Two. Mm-hmm. It is better. I'm I'm a big Nancy Myers fan. I love all of her stuff. Uh, it's just, Lindsay Lo- introducing Lindsay Lohan, give her an Oscar. She's so good. <laughs> She's incredible in this. Like, one of those great, like, debut kid movie performances. And it's, like, the opposite end of the spectrum for me for, like, Alicia Silverstone in The Crush, which is a role that I love, a movie we will absolutely talk about on the show at some point. But that is, like, a very edgy adult movie. The Parent Trap is firmly, like, family-friendly, but Lindsay is crushing it in this movie. I know so many people who thought she was twins. When really? Twins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I didn't because I can read the words introducing Lindsay Lohan at, by eight, but I know some people who definitely thought that that there were two of them. Uh, I mean, I remember there were kids who in my class who would watch the Amanda show and like they would be like, oh, yeah, her super fan. That's not Amanda Bynes. That's actually someone else. And I'm like, no, it's not. What are you talking about? Penelope Taint Penelope. is absolutely Amanda Bynes in a wig. <laughs> oh, Uh, So, Harmony, what is your history with this movie? Because I actually don't know this answer. It's one of those movies that I saw at some point as a child and just I couldn't tell you a time or a place or a universe. But it's like, oh, no, I've, I've always seen The Parent Trap. It's always been around. Though one thing that was interesting as we were watching it and we're seeing a lot more of the, the, the side-by-side effects of this movie where they're basically just splitting the screen so they can have the two Lowens uh, side-by-side is I remember uh, similarly to what, when I saw Titanic as a small child, they like hyped it up with the, the effects being like, look how we did this. Look at the CG of how we did the Titanic and made all these people look at the practical whatever. And somehow as a child that made me go, huh, I guess movies are less magical. <laughs> and that kind of happened for the Baron Trap where I'm like, oh, that's how they did it. I mean, that's still cool, I guess, but. <laughs> that makes me so sad. I have such like an opposite feeling. Uh, really? Yes. I mean, I I guess that, that that's just me pissing in the punch bowl, but like I wasn't <laughs> doing it on purpose as like a seven-year-old. It's just a thing that happened. You saw it's, how the sausage was being made, or in this case, the split screen Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> it's, it's like you go to a magic show and someone's like, it's up his sleeve. And you go, oh, fuck, that's how he did it. <laughs> I appreciate the craft of like the sleight of hand, but I know that magic isn't real now as like a, <laughs> as a child. Well, I'm sorry to burst your bubble that there are not two Lindsays. If I mean, if only. What a world we would have mm. if there were. Uh, her little brother is in this. He's the little boy that ends up at camp by accident. So like we we do have two of the Lowen siblings in this movie. Just oh, not really? Twins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Nancy Meyer's daughter is in it as well. Yes, she is. And the the dedication at the end of the movie of like four Hallie that is for her daughter because Nancy is just the best we, we love Nancy Myers on this show <laughs> when I was a kid I I definitely like I could read but not well enough and I for years I thought it was for Haley because Haley Mills played the part in the original parent trap yeah um and I was like I was like oh that's so nice she's she's dedicating this to Haley Mills but Haley and Hallie are two different names <laughs> uh, and I learned that eventually sometime <laughs> down the road hey we all learn things at our own time um, I, for whatever reason, thought that, like, this movie was dedicated to the character of Hallie in this movie. <laughs> so, like, not far favorites. off. favorites. 
<laughs> right. We we prefer uh, Hallie over Annie, I, apparently. I mean, who doesn't, to be honest? <laughs> That's also very true. Um, so, you know, like Jamie mentioned, this is a remake. It is a remake of the 1961 film of the same name with Haley Mills. Haley Mills with Disney in that time period was kind of like... John Hughes with Molly Ringwald. Like Haley Mills did like seven movies for Disney live action movies. She was their their golden child for a bit, which is interesting because then we kind of will see that with Lindsay Lohan moving forward. She's going to do a bunch of Disney movies, uh, which is interesting. Um, but this is actually based on the German novel Lisa and Lottie from 1949. And that means it does differ from It Takes Two because It Takes Two wanted to be the parent trap and Disney mm-hmm. said, go fuck yourself. We're not giving you these rights. So they mm-hmm. went, okay, Princess and the Pauper it is. That's public domain. Eat shit, Disney. Um, which <laughs> I kind of respect a little bit. Um, I, I remember my when I was a kid when It Takes Two came out, my mom thought it was going to be the parent trap. And so she's like, "When it, in the end, they're going to find out they're twins. Why she decided to spoil that for me, I will never know. But I spent the whole movie waiting for the big reveal that somehow they were twins. And then it didn't, <laughs> that never came. And I was like, mother, you maybe you should just watch a movie before you start telling me what's going to happen. Wait, and I think about that a lot. Are they really not twins in It Takes Two? I've seen no. that movie and I just no. thought... I just assumed that they were and just never thought about it. No, they just happen to look identical. <laughs> Great, that makes more sense. It's like it's like the Princess Switch, honey. That makes so much more sense than uh, two parents with money deciding to ship their children to a very distant summer camp by plane, one of which crosses the ocean. Somehow that makes more sense. All right, so for those who may have not seen The Parent Trap, if you had to give a little capsule elevator pitch for this movie, Jamie, how would you convince somebody to watch The Parent Trap? Oh, my God. It's just, first of all, you got to just say Lindsay Lohan's debut. I don't think that there is anything more in a pitch than that you need than that. But if you, if somebody is insane and that's not enough for them, uh, I, I would say uh, the feel-good sister movie of the 90s uh, in terms of just the cast, everyone's so good. I have seen this movie. I'm probably in the triple digits, and it still makes me cry. I cried four times yesterday watching this movie. And it's just it's just so wholesome. It's funny. It's just got it all. And in a it's a really good fantasy for children of divorce. Like I'm a child of divorce and no part of me really cared about my parents getting back together. That was not something that I was interested in as a kid. I wasn't upset by that, but even still, this movie was still really comforting despite the fact that I didn't really care. More so, I wanted to have a long-lost twin out there desperately. And that's part of the reason why why this movie was so warm and welcoming. I love that. I feel like <laughs> The, the the twin longing we'll, we'll definitely dive into that because I have so many thoughts about twin longing um so yeah I mean it's exactly what you said it is it's two twins separated by continents because their parents divorced and decided each of us get a kid and then we're just gonna never talk about it which like okay on the morality side of it my brain like all these whistles go off of like this is a horrific idea. I've seen Three Perfect Strangers. No good comes of this. This is a bad, bad arrangement. But for the sake of like Disney fantasy, like, okay, whatever. I can suspend my disbelief and not think that these parents are absolute ghouls for doing this to their children. It's Um, pretty horrible. 
it's like it's you pretty awful. You have to just not think about it because yeah. like, it's awful on the for like a million reasons. Like the fact that Annie has like a secret handshake with her butler is just proof that she is not getting all of the love and attention she needs from her mother. I think. <laughs> right. But uh, I think the only person paying attention is Jesse in this whole movie. No one else is paying attention to what these children are doing at all. But you know what? It's fine. They're fine. Exactly. Exactly. You just kind of have to like hand wave away like the realism aspects. Like, don't let it seep in. Just, just don't don't do it. Don't do it. Don't let use, the reality use kid brain in. logic. Yeah, exactly. Use child brain logic. You kind of need to. And once you do, you can have an absolute delight. Um, so, yes, this movie is 25 this year, which is wild. So, Harmony, what kind of context do you want to bring to the table? So there's not a ton of context because we're playing outside of the normal parameters of like a teen movie. Like this is a good year for teen movie. Like Can't Hardly Wait came out this year. Mm. The Faculty came out this year. It's a good year. But if you want to like really look at this in like its own unique scope, which is like in a Disney family film sort of sphere, 1998 to about 2001 is a, uh, a transitional time for Disney where the Disney Renaissance is winding down and the Disney Channel is winding up. And we've stated on this show numerous times that as the Disney Channel winds up and, you know, we lean heavily into, like, decom stars, Hilary Duff is, like, the first. She's, like, the first Disney success kid of that era. But Lindsay Lohan's, like, the prototype. She's the one who gets used in, like, The Parent Trap. She would go on to be the, the wonderful world of Disney, not Disney Channel, film Life Size, which Tyra. obviously is big. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once the 2000s come, she is in significantly more Disney features. So she came back to Disney, I guess. Like she she disappeared. She she did she did a little bit here and there and then like exploded once they had like a formula to suit her as like a Disney teen star. So I, I, I think that that's interesting to think about. But also it's really fun to think about how this versus It Takes Two I, I can't help but think that there's some, like, Disney pettiness to, to making oh, this. totally. I have no way to prove this at all. So everything I'm about to say is not substantiated in any way, shape, or form. But it really does feel to me like it takes, like, they, they approached them about getting the rights for the parent trap, and they said no. So then It Takes Two happened, and they had the Olsen twins, and they were like, okay, well, obviously, we're not going to do better than the Olsen twins, but we have this cool tech that we could do. Uh, screw it. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it better, and we're going to make more money, and that'll teach anyone <laughs> like that'll tell them to never step to us to try to make one of our movies ever again like for for real though like the Olsen twins were their own brand that was successful outside of Disney <laughs> and there's probably something about Disney not liking that because they're like no we cornered this market in the 90s how fucking dare you and it takes two was not well received it didn't it made like maybe 20 million dollars it did okay this movie made like $120 million. Like, it made, like, six <laughs> times as much as it takes to. It was basically Disney looking at the Olsen twins and going, I must break you. Like, that that really is kind of how it feels. And, again, like... three years later, right? Three years. Yeah, uh -huh. three years. So it feels mm. like it came out, they watched it, and went, all right, let's get this into production. <laughs> like... I know this is not an It Takes Two podcast, but I would like to share with you that at my father's second wedding out of four, um, I I was about six or seven, and my family loves to tell how when I walked down the aisle as a flower girl, I put one petal down at a time, and they all thought it was so cute, and they still tell the story, and none of them know that I was just ripping off It Takes Two. <laughs> That's 100% what I was doing, and everyone like thought it was so adorable, but no, I just wanted to be like Mary-Kate and Ashley. <laughs> 
<laughs> God, I'm obsessed. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, goodness. I love that so much. <laughs> so, you know, the other thing that The Parent Trap does have going for it is because this is a remake, it is a remake of a film that would have come out around the time that, like, our parents would have been kids. Mm-hmm. So now you have the generational sharing of, oh, this movie I loved when I was your age. Now I can show my kid the a new version of it. Like, it, Disney is so smart. Like, it's, like, infuriating <laughs> how smart they are sometimes about this sort of thing. Um, so that's kind of what leads us into having The Parent Trap. And before we dive in any deeper, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Happy July prom party. Quick announcement. For those of you who like to listen to the podcast over on the Stitcher platform, I'm sure that you probably have noticed this already, but Stitcher is going away after July. If you want more information about how that relates to our show, We made a post about it that is free to view on our Patreon, and it goes into far more detail about it. Also on the Patreon, things that you can look forward to this month are Sadie Hawkins Dance Teen Boy Movies, two excellent films this month. We're doing Orange County and Stand By Me. For our Molly Tier patrons up at the highest level, we are unfortunately done with Freaks and Geeks, and now moving on to My So-Called Life, which I have watch precisely none of and know virtually nothing about. So this will be a very enlightening experience, basically like how everything on this show is. And for Musical Milestones, we made a promise about a year ago when we launched it that we covered MySpace once. We're coming back to talk about MySpace emo bands and the unique relationship they had with teenagers and teen girls in particular. Aside from all the mini episodes, you also get the benefits of access to our suggestion box, the monthly playlist and newsletter, and obviously the extensive back catalog of previous releases that we have on the Patreon. If you're not able to like fiscally support the podcast, obviously we totally understand, as always. Just know that the best thing you can do to support a show is to share it, rate it, review it, just let people know that you love us and you think that what we do is great. It goes just as far as your dollars do. Thank you, and now back to the movie. Alrighty, so we are dealing with twins, so we have two main characters, but let's start with Annie. So, Jamie, how do you feel about Annie as a character? Oh, I think she's lovely. I mean, I'm a Hallie girl, obviously, uh, but I still like them both. Um, I think I really think it's clever that Annie is the better fencer and Hallie is the better poker player. I think that's very uh, of of where they live in the world, right? Um, I, Annie, I don't understand how even like you live in like London, girl. How do you not know who? Leonardo DiCaprio is. I right? don't understand that. This is like, the year like, after Titanic. Yeah. There's no way she does it. Like, and it doesn't make sense to me. But I, uh, you know, she's she's sweet. Uh, uh, she's got a, she's very nice to the help. <laughs> Who traveled across the world with her just to drop her off. It's insane. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, uh, pro Annie over here. Yeah, I quite like Annie. I love that she speaks French. 
um, and does kind of like the the Ricky Ricardo ism of like you're angry, so then you slip into another language, and she <laughs> does that with French. Um, I think that's very very cute. I love that she is simultaneously like the prim and proper one because of course she's from England, she has to be kind of the fancy one. But at the same time, like she's just as mouthy as Hallie. She just doesn't use as like. I don't know, vulgar language for a Disney movie, but she's mouthy and I I love mouthy preteens. It's like my favorite character type <laughs> that we get to talk about. Uh, Harmony, how about you? How's, how's Annie for you? I mean, she's obviously, like if I were to compare this to anything, I would compare this less to It Takes Two and more to like Little Darlings. Oh where yeah. There's one that's the sporty one and the cool one and I go, oh, I like that one. No disrespect to the other one, but I like the cool one because obviously that's more my, my brand as well. Uh, Annie's Annie's fine. I think that she is clearly much worse at uh, at acting apparently than than her <laughs> sister is because like she pops over to like dad's house and immediately everyone goes, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Who are you?" <laughs> like they're immediately suspicious. Yeah, that's very true. Like. <laughs> All of the things she says, you know, horrible habit, lovely girl, um, not knowing the like the dog, the dog is really the one that lets it all out of like mm-hmm. Sammy's like, you don't smell like my person. You are a stranger. Dogs I'm aren't not stupid. Down. Dogs are, you cannot fool a dog. Um, but then, you know, at the same time, like, I also love that Chessie is the first one to clock her, whereas, Ugh. like, dad doesn't. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the movie. Ever since I was a kid, I love the Chessie scene so much. Uh, it's one of the scenes that makes me cry every time. Because it's like, yeah, of co- you're, you're basically this kid's mother. Of course you notice. Mm-hmm. Unlike their real mother, who has no clue once. Like, never questions why... Annie all of a sudden says like all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny to me how Nick and Liz are just kind of like off in their own worlds, which I think speaks to their characters of being distracted and not very uh, present in what's going on. But yeah, Chessie realizing pretty much immediately, you know, grandfather recognizing immediately, like the people who are the most like, I have nothing else to worry about. I can focus on these kids noticing. Well, this is the 90s. This is the decade of, like, the single working parent. <laughs> so, like, they're they're busy. I, I guess the thing that I think is really, really funny is that you'd think that as far as their ruse and being able to pull it off is concerned, you would think, like, an American going over to England and putting on a, 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 a an accent that is a little spotty, like, we fall <laughs> out of it a little bit sometimes. Uh, <laughs> The best I, fallout in the entire movie is when she's like being British, like, don't close your eyes. And she's like, what? An 11 year old is cutting my hair. And it yeah. gets very American. And you're like, I feel like that was just a line Lindsay couldn't do in the accent. And they said, ah, fuck it. Yeah. I, I, I think that's really funny because it just gives uh, a lot of Americans the false ruse that it's like, yeah, we know what British people sounds like, which means they're either <laughs> elegant and posh. Oh, they're a cockly little rabble rouser, ain't it? Like, those are the only un- understandings that we as Americans have a British accent and go, yeah, I can totally do a British accent. Absolutely. And this just, <laughs> this really reinforces that to children where it's that easy. <laughs> it's yeah. The, the accent is like, I'm not going to be mad. She's a child. No, she's fine. Like she's doing her best. I think she's, she's a, a it's child. It's fun. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think we are all universally like Hallie girls, but yes. uh, we'll talk about it anyway. So Jamie, t- talk to me about Hallie. I mean, just like 
she just has such presence. She's such power. Uh, she's funny, uh, and it's it's funny to watch her uh, just in in the England setting because she, she's just like it's in the same way. It's hard for Annie to like to like slop it up a little. Like she she's struck, you know, she's drinking wine. <laughs> Oh, but she's so, like, I love that the first time you really see her is when her bag gets stuck and then the tie-dye girl pulls it out and then she's like, that's my kind of woman. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is, girl. <laughs> we know it is. Um, and uh, also, also, I want to talk about how I don't think Oreos and peanut butter is that weird. Uh, no. It's not that like, weird like, make, at yeah. all. No, no, it's really not. And I think that this is kind of like, there, there are a little things sprinkled throughout this movie that are kind of paying homage to the original. And in mm. the original, it's Fig Newtons, which was a way more common like snack, but also like kind of a weird snack for kids because yeah, it's, they're gross. It's like health snack, I yeah, guess. Yeah, those got rebranded as a healthy like cookie alternative in the 90s, basically. Yeah. So in the 60s, it would make sense for the kids to be like, yeah, I'm really into like Fig Newtons. And they clearly wanted to stay with the Nabisco family, so then they go to Oreo. <laughs> but like, or ev- who doesn't love Oreos? So it's like, I don't know. We put peanut butter on it. Now you're weird. <laughs> Oreos. I'm a Hydrox person myself. Gross. <laughs> I like my Hydrox and peanut butter. <laughs> but no, yeah. H- Hallie's got like backwards cap energy. Like she's so cool. <laughs> like when they're playing poker and she comes in and she's got like a jacket and glasses and she's twirling a tube sock full of quarters like she's going to beat someone. <laughs> right. Like this is like a prison fight getting ready to happen. <laughs> she's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, I love Hallie. I also love that Hallie is a hundred percent queer. Like, I don't. I'm. I know it's the Disney movie, so like that can't actually be a thing. But like her and Rainbow Tie Dye Girl, like they are summer camp girlfriends. Like, <laughs> you cannot convince me otherwise. Between you know, that's my kind of woman, or like being carried around on her back and being like, I don't know if that's gonna happen, babe. And it's like. Yeah, no, they're in love. I get it. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, this is exactly how um, this relationship works. Good for you, Hallie. I'm very proud of you. But that was, like, an early, like, first week uh, romance because when she met Annie, they probably never spoke again. That's very true. Very, very true. It was... It was and Tide Girl was really sad for the rest of the summer. Just <laughs> devastated. Jealous in a way she just didn't understand. Um, <laughs> because, like, I get it. Like, I would fuck myself 100%. Uh, and so to the Tide Girl, she doesn't know that they're sisters. So, right. So, like, she doesn't really understand uh, from an outside perspective what's going on. So while we're talking about kind of, like, queerness and obviously like the twins there is an article that was on extramagazine.com that I really liked that was about how this movie is such like a warm comforting movie for queer kids and one of the points that they brought up which I am very much on team yes to this is this idea of like twin souls and how obviously like they're not saying like literal twins or like literal sisters. Cause then that gets into like incest and like weird, weird fucking territory. But there is something that happens in this movie that kind of reflects a very, I don't want to say universal cause no experiences are truly universal, but a relatively common experience for queer people. Um, and it's the first time that they see each other um, after they've been fencing and they look at each other and they recognize like, Oh, we have the same face. But the way that Nancy Myers shoots this, because Nancy Myers knows how to shoot like looks of love and longing more than like better than anyone on the planet. Um, She's unbelievable at this. But this article says it is the first time the twins come face to face with one another, seeing their own likeness 
And as they shake hands, something passes between them, something inexplicable. Hallie recognizes herself in Annie, and Annie recognizes herself in Hallie. This moment is akin to one that many queer people experience in their lives. The first time we feel like we are known through knowing someone else who is like us. It can be as simple as seeing ourselves represented on screen or as complicated as entering a queer space for the first time. It is a piecing together of ourselves through the presence of another person. It is kinship. That, yes, like 100% yes, where they look at each other and they feel very seen and understood and known by the existence of another human being. And that is a very queer experience. I think that's lovely. There is, and I, I, I like that you said that about the just the way Nancy Myers films it because it, it like, there, like, it is, there's something, there's just that magic that she has. Throughout this entire movie, there are so many shots in this movie like when like in both instances when the girls see their like opposite parent that they don't live with for the first time it is shot with such love like i burst into tears <laughs> when natasha richardson sees like oh you're back and like runs and gives her a hug i lose it every single time because one natasha richardson was somebody taken from this world too soon so i always have feelings about that but she has such a warm presence and such a lovely presence. And the way she looks at Lindsay in that scene, like, I believe wholeheartedly that, like, this is mother-daughter love. And then when we then see, you know, Dennis Quaid at the airport, it's like that, like, low up push and zoom shot. And it's it like, like the sun is behind him, even though for the rest of that scene, it's overcast. But in that one <laughs> shot, it's sunny and his smile just like is so bright. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. What a great dad. Dad this is, is indeed lovely. a hunk. Dad is mm. a hunk. But like, <laughs> Let, let me let me walk you all through through this process here. <laughs> Listeners and Jamie alike. Um, I'm ready. When you were like, oh, yeah, I cried four times watching this movie. I was like, oh, BJ cried. So when 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 they get off the planes to like their new respective swapped homes, BJ goes, will you judge me if I cry watching this movie? And I go, no, I won't judge you. Why would I? <laughs> and there's the scene where like it's mother and daughter looking at each other for the first time. But it's not the first time, but it is. And. BJ is just like sigh, sobbing, and I look over at her, and she goes, "I'm crying. Stop it! Don't look at me." <laughs> I can't help it. That one gets me. Chessie gets me. Like, mm -hmm. um, I just, I think it's it's specifically when the women are like embracing the little girls, um, because I am such a sucker for those sorts of relationships. I just, I can't help it. Um, something else that this movie has with. It's it, it would be Annie in this instance. As normally in teen movies, we have daddy-daughter monologues. This is a movie that has a daughter-daddy monologue where they're in the car and she's explaining why she keeps saying dad all the time. That also, like, gives me warm fuzzies that I can't fully, like, <laughs> verbalize why because it's just so sweet. And the look on his face when he is processing, like, oh, my daughter really loves me. Like, oh, my God, I just, like, turn into a puddle. It is so sweet. And Nancy Myers is an emotional terrorist for, like, how, <laughs> how good she can do this stuff. Do you want to know why I keep saying, Dad, the truth? Because you missed your old man so much, right? Exactly. It's because in my whole life, I mean, you know, for the past eight weeks, 
I was never able to say the word dad. Never, not once. And if you ask me, I mean, a dad is an irreplaceable person in a girl's life. Think about it. There's a whole day devoted to celebrating fathers. Just imagine someone's life without a father. Never buying a Father's Day card, never sitting on their father's lap, never being able to say, hi, Dad, or what's up, Dad, or catch you later, Dad. I mean, a baby's first words are always, Dad, Dad, aren't they? Let me see if I get this. You miss being able to call me Dad? Yeah, I really have, Dad. For me, it's, it's every time someone finds out that the tw that twins are exist. It's like when they find when in the when they're in the ca isolation cabin, which I would like to talk about the isolation cabin. Oh, of course. When they're in the isolation cabin and they and they they come to the realization, that's when I cry the hardest. But I cry when Chessie finds out. I cry when when mom finds out. I cry when dad finds out. It's like it's like anytime someone's figuring it out, I'm so in it. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. Um, I'm like they know now. The truth is there. <laughs> <laughs> Do we cry when Meredith finds out? Because I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you laugh because she, she Alejandra's just so good, and the way she does that little yelp when she oh, yeah. sees them is so <laughs> funny. She's so good in this role, and I love that even to this day she like really leans into it. Like her pin tweet on Twitter is like is a quote from the movie. Oh, so funny! I know she did a TikTok that went viral where it's like he's a ten. But then he has two twin daughters who, like, ruin your whole marriage when you were just trying to get that bag or something. Like, it's really funny. And it's just her in her kitchen drinking wine. And everyone was like, yeah, that was great. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, before we move on to, like, more of, like, the side characters, let's talk about that isolation cabin. Because, one, like thinking about that like that that was a pretty common thing in like summer camps I did not go to these summer camps but I had plenty of friends who had way more money than me that did go to summer camps and they would talk about it they're like yeah no that's real like if you are being an asshole if they can't fly you home or if they can't like get your parents to come get you because it's too far they will straight up like put you in solitary and I'm like that's horrible you're gonna go I'm in shocked. the hole for a week yeah I I like, I've never been to sleepaway camp, mainly because I don't like nature, and I would be miserable as a kid if someone <laughs> sent me to a camp like that. Um, but, like, the isolation cabin sounds awesome, especially if you're getting sent there with somebody else. Like, you just get to, like, you have, like, your own private, huge cabin that you right. get to just chill out in. Um, I guess, like, maybe in real life, you're not going to accidentally end up in there with your long-lost sister, so maybe it's not as fun. But also, I want to shout out to Maggie Wheeler. The way she points to that cabin is one of my favorite. She's mm -hmm. so good. The way she, like, <laughs> turns her finger twice. I love the Marvas so much. I do, too. She gives, like, very big, like, uh-huh, yeah, you're going energy with how she points to the cabin. It's great. Like, the whole pomp and circumstance of taking them up to the cabin also involves bringing every single camper with them. <laughs> like, they're getting marched to death row. And as soon as they get there, they're like, Okay, y'all can go fucking bye. Go go somewhere else. And they are like, "Yay!" And then they sprint home. <laughs> I also and love that they both cabins like cuz how they end up in the isolation cabin is doing like pranks and whatnot, like prank war. None of those other girls got in trouble. It's just the two of them. Everyone mm -hmm. else gets to enjoy camp as, you know, as scheduled and it's like, "Nope, the two gingers exile. Bye." <laughs> They're the ringleaders. Everybody knows it. <laughs> they probably, they're both, I bet you though there's like a scene we didn't see where they took the fall. I bet that the Marvas were like, who else? And they were like, it's just us. Yeah, okay, that's that's a good point. I, I, I can believe that. I mean, this is like but, a two-hour movie. Stuff definitely got yeah. cut. 
Yes. Before we leave camp, you know I have to bring up the fact that they did a production of Grease at this camp. Oh. And... I it, it kills me that like we didn't see like a snippet like a second because you know it's an all girls production of Grease and yes. the one boy in the show is more talented than every single girl and got cast as Danny which I doubt then that is an all girls Grease show that I would kill I would pay any amount of money to see I, your listeners don't know Grease is my favorite movie of all time and I just the fact that they have that sign that that Grease happened and I never got to see it really pains me oh yeah like after that sign first of all like everyone listening Jamie sent us a picture going we need to talk about this and it's just the banner of Greece and I was like oh my god we do but like after that scene happens and they're bringing the banner down BJ and I are just sitting there going okay but we're gonna have small children singing about how Grease Lightning is gonna make them cream <laughs> you're gonna have someone as Kaniki going did she put up a fight <laughs> you're gonna and, but, and, but the fact that they're all girls makes it even better. Uh-huh. Like, like I it, would it kind love of erases all girls grease. Yes, I would <laughs> love an all girls grease. And I do want to just state for the record because after Jamie and I met at Pixar Weekend and became immediate friends like summer camp, um, <laughs> I tweeted, "Hey guys, BJ made friends with somebody whose favorite movie of all time is Grease. Can you believe it? This is the person. Jamie is That's this me. person." <laughs> Um, but yeah, we were like cracking up about this, thinking about how they would have done this show. And in my thought, so like baby cat Graham is in this movie. She's just like a, a side character camper. She, we, we don't really see anything, but I know that cat Graham is extremely talented. So in my heart of hearts, she got to play Danny Zuko, which is a role I would kill to watch her play. So, Ooh. so there's that, <laughs> but yeah, Greece of all the, sh- you have all girls, you could have done so many shows and I'm thrilled that you chose Greece because <laughs> That like I'm just thinking about like some little girl being Rizzo and screaming I'm not pregnant. <laughs> like <laughs> it's such a good joke. Like you know that like Nancy Myers picked that uh, on purpose. Oh totally. It's, like so like it's such a funny thing to think about. Well yeah, if you don't think about like we talked about this when we did Grease one and when we did our Grease two episodes, but it's like Grease is kind of like this safe little like family film that like is passed down through generations and you don't really think about anything until you really think about it. So it's like, it's this almost feels like a dirty joke that they slid into this movie that does have other kind of dirty jokes. Like they drink wine, they're smoking, there's sexy sax anytime Elaine Hendricks comes on screen. (laughs) Like there's a lot of these little moments, but it just feels like the parents watching would go, huh. All right, yeah, that that's cute. I would I would watch kids do grease, sure. But then you think about it and go, oh no, but like, it's way better. It's way better if you actually think about what the logistics of this show is. It's so funny, and yeah, there's so much like like snuck in adult humor that I don't think would ever in a million years fly uh, through a Disney live action movie. No, like because when when they do have the face off with Meredith and she's like, "Don't you think a relationship should be based on more than just sex?" and like it is very clear to all of them that Elaine Hendricks is basically being like, I fuck your dad to these kids, this whole movie. And he loves it. It's incredible, (laughs) obsessed with this movie. Oh, goodness. So, yes. But Elaine Hendricks, can we talk about her? Because... Yes, we can talk about Elaine Hendricks. She is the villain of this movie, depending on where you stand on Trophy Wives. (laughs) Fair. She's just trying, like you said, trying to get the bag. It's like... Good girl, use what you got. Get that paper. Yeah. Especially because, like, she's young. She's, like, 26. Mm-hmm. 
I remember she, being 26. She was 26, too, like, when she was filming this. So this is age-appropriate casting. And I also, like, the whole time I'm, like, watching her, I'm like, I was nowhere near that hot or confident when I was 26. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> dude, I, I think I went on one of those Sugar Baby websites when I was 26. And I was just like, yeah, I want someone to give me money. And I had <laughs> offers, but it turns out the website's stupid where you would think it's like kind of like a ladies night situation where it's like, oh, yeah, women get in free or whatever. And then the dude's got to pay for it. Like, that would make sense. But it's like, no, you get like 10 free messages and then you have to pay for it. And I was like, what? no, I'm here to make money. Fuck you. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I was like, well, this didn't get very far. But I tried <laughs> as a 26 year old. I tried to be a trophy wife. <laughs> And, like, the movie makes it very clear that these are her intentions. Like, sh her parents are in on it, too. So it is one of those things where it's, like, similarly to how I feel about Clarice Kensington. Clarice Kensington and It Takes Two is way more redeemable because, like, she's not actively being, like, I'm marrying him for money the way that Elaine Hendricks's character is. So I am a little bit more on, like, Clarice did nothing wrong. Whereas, like, you know, Meredith also doesn't really do anything wrong because she's open about it like she's mm -hmm. very upfront about it and i'm so sorry but if nick parker doesn't realize that she's into him for money he's stupid and then like at that point you deserve to have your money taken from you <laughs> because you're not wrong please everybody in your life is telling you this is a bad idea chessy who knows you better than anyone is like no this is not good and you are being like He's pussy whipped. Like, that's what it is. He's like this hot young thing, likes me, and wants me to show my chest hair. This is awesome. It's been eight weeks. Sure, we'll get married. <laughs> right. Like, that. that's a good thing that glazes over in this movie is, like, he meets her and, like, falls in love or whatever while at summer camp. And then when they come back, it's like, we're getting married in two weeks. Classic movie timeline. Of course. I want to shout out uh, that Meredith's mother uh, was the original Parent Trap uh woman that the dad was going to marry and her name in the original parent trap, parent trap was Vicky. So when she's like, you may call me Aunt Vicky, it's like, is she playing the same character? Uh, oh my knows? God, I hope. That would yeah. be so good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also just that line read is hilarious to me. Yes. That's one of the ones that sticks in my brain is just being like, that's a definitive line in this movie. I, I watched her in something recently, I can't remember now what, and I was like, oh, it's Aunt Vicky. I feel like just her face, that's who she is to me. I also just love like rich old ladies who will not let you call them grandma. Like I mm -hmm. have yeah. such a love for that. Like suddenly you're going to age 50 years if someone calls you grandma. So I was like, nope, nope, you can call me Aunt Vicky. Like that's, that's the line here. My mom is in no way rich, but she really like does not want to get old, and she's like a hot lady who's still being hot, and Hell she's yeah. so glad I don't want kids. Like she's like really grateful that she doesn't have to be a grandma because that is not her scene at all. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, this is okay. So this is also a movie about like very rich people, um, because it's a Nancy Myers movie. Of course, it's for mm -hmm. people in love. Like <laughs> that's that's kind of her thing. Um, but I love how this movie is not afraid to acknowledge the fact that everybody in this has money. Um, and it does so in a way that never feels like shitty because we, we talk about this a little bit with like our Troop Beverly Hills episode where it's like, well, how are you going to ever 
believe rich girls as underdogs like they don't have any problems with their lives and it's like no that they do they do have problems and this is a good example of it because we have elizabeth james who is just human sunshine incarnate who is this world-renowned wedding dress designer who is designing dresses that are being modeled by vendela and then you have nick who owns apparently owns every wine bottle ever made um (laughs) so he obviously has millions of dollars and they're also sweet and lovely and then you have meredith who is like is supposed to be like a cartoonish like disney villain like they call her cruella because they hate her so much and think she's like money hungry and it's like oh that's the bad rich lady that's the bad one she does pr gross (laughs) i want you to meet a friend of mine how this is meredith blake Hi. Hi, Meredith Blake. Wow, I can't believe I'm finally meeting the famous Hallie. I have looked forward to this all summer. Really? Well, here I am. Oh, Nikki, she's adorable. You know, the way your father talked about you, I expected to meet a little girl, but you are so grown up. I'll be 12 soon. How old are you? (laughs) 26. Only 15 years older than me. How old are you again, Dad? Wow, suddenly you're so interested in math. So let's talk about um, the two undersung heroes of this movie, which is Martin and Chessie. Let's start with Martin first. How do we feel about Martin the butler? <laughs> I I love him. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into the to the queerness of it all uh-huh. yes uh, i i like i love that he um the, as soon as she's like you don't have to be our butler on this vacation that he like takes her up on that and i think that's hilarious and he comes out in his leather jacket and he's wearing his speedo um he's just such an endearing endearing man um and i like that he he's just he's a crier he's a romantic um <laughs> and and i know that like the whole thing is like they're both they both seem so gay but (laughs) i'm so torn on it because it's like yeah they're both so gay but maybe like that works for them because they're just so queer that they that they i i hate to think that that they don't make sense because it's so cute it's just bizarre because like wait they're not gay we spent an hour of this movie introducing these characters as like really pretty gay yeah (laughs) it's so i love I love Martin so much because he is very gay. I love when he puts on his leather jacket because then he just turns into Cadbury from Richie Rich when he's in prison and is oh, yeah. the butler in prison in a leather jacket, leather pants. <laughs> Which is exactly like what we were thinking. And then we were just be doing Cadbury's voice. was like, Cadbury. he's toothpaste on bars. <laughs> but like. I love that those are his streets where it's like, oh, yeah, in my off time, this is what I look like. And it's like, <laughs> dude, it, dude he's, Martin's a leather daddy. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they're both so coded queer. Chessie is such like a lesbian, which I love so very much. And I like to think that because they do work really well together and I do believe their chemistry that this is like when two bi people get together. Like that's how I Mm -hmm. feel about them. Like they are both definitely not straight, but I also definitely believe them as like falling in love with each other because they also understand each other in a way that no one else in the world is going to understand because they've also been having to keep up this lie for 11 years because they know that there's a twin out there Mm -hmm. and watching them have kind of this like joining of, 
we get each other is just so sweet and makes me I very happy. So much. I also feel like there's this layer to these two people that like they feel like they're a part of this family, but they still wait on them. And that has to like be a little traumatic, too. Where it's like, uh, like I love these people; they're my family, but uh, they pay me to clean and cook for them. Right, like they're yeah. both live-ins. Like so that th- yeah, the dynamic is is weird. Like it's a weird sort of dynamic, and I'm glad that they found each other to understand that weird dynamic because I'm sure anytime they are hanging out at the gay bar and telling their friends about their lives, everyone's like, that's a weird fucking situation. What are you doing? But the two of them are like, no, I get it. Some California gays would be looking at Lisa Ann Walter in this and just being like, ugh, you just like hang out with straight people and like take care of their kids. Yeah, it's like it's such a weird sort of situation. But at least Chessie can wear whatever she wants. She doesn't have to wear a uniform. So yeah. like that's nice. Yeah. Um, but there is another layer of Chessie that I think will resonate to all of us. And full disclosure, I have yet to read this passage from this extra magazine article without crying. So if I cry again, just deal with it. Um, but in a recent interview on the Jennifer Hudson show, Lisa and Walter revealed, as she's done in many interviews, the depth of love that 90s kids have for the character, especially, she says, from the kids who in those years felt like their lives were not safe or they weren't accepted, especially like kids from the LGBTQIA plus community. They still write her now and say, you made me feel accepted. You made me feel good. You kept the twin secret and you made me feel like if you were in my life that I would have been loved. I love that, Lisa Ann Walter. I got She's chills. so great. I got like, goosebumps. That I'm crying beautiful. already. Oh. Like just thinking about that because it's very, very true. The second that she finds out the truth, she has that Im- amazing reveal where she cries and does her like, this is how I look at her. Like that line is incredible. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of the movie until they you know, have to reveal what's going on at the hotel, She keeps that secret, which like that is such like a queer thing of like when you tell an adult, like a trusted adult for the first time, like here's a secret about me, like don't tell my mom or like here's a secret about me, please keep that a secret. And they actually do. Mm -hmm. That is like, oh, like I don't have words. I just have tears because I'm just crying about it right now. I I never thought about it in this way. And it's so beautiful because Chessie's always been my favorite character of the movie. I love her so much. And like, like I said before, like that is my favorite scene of the movie. And she's, she, and so I, I love that she still feels that all these years later. And I like that her career is thriving so much because all of us did grow up with her and it's so good to see her like really thriving. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. And like her and Aline Hendricks have such a great friendship. I know that they've, like been each other's dates on like red carpets and things, which is just so wonderful. I love that Elaine Hendricks is also a very like huge animal activist at this point Mm. in her career, which I think is such a great like turn for Meredith, who was like, I hate things that crawl gross, (laughs) like the whole movie. And it's like, no, Elaine Hendricks fucking loves animals like more than you, more than anybody on this planet will ever understand. She loves like all of her socials, I think are like Elaine for animals. Like she is Mm -hmm. committed to, taking care of animals and that makes me really really happy and honestly I think that's probably why this movie also feels so good is that for the most part like this is a movie cast with people that are well known for being lovely and that matters to me because 
it never feels like they're acting. Like, obviously, they're all acting because it's a job. That's what you do. But I believe the warmth in all of these people because I also see the warmth of them as an adult. So it feels like going back to this movie and watching it is such like a it's a comfort blanket because I also have like the the knowledge as an adult of like, no, these are genuinely good people, too. Like, that's mm-hmm. so nice. It makes me feel so good. I also just love that Lisa Ann Walters didn't know she was a gay icon until like last year. <laughs> also true. Yes, she has been. For I think like Chessie is one of those characters where like people saw her and felt seen by her because she's so very queer coded. But then they also see her as kind of like a mother figure for queer kids. So like she's hitting a lot of intersections with this oh, performance. She's she's yeah. still being a mother figure, but without being like a mom in on like Abbott Elementary, where like her career's never been better. And I just think that like she she's just really good with kids. All like all of the best roles that I associate with her is like being good with kids. And I just think that that's really lovely. Also, she it's the 90s. I think it's fair to say that she's got like Rosie O'Donnell energy in this movie. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, she's hot in a way that Rosie Mm. isn't hot. (laughs) Yeah, she definitely is fulfilling a similar niche here as Old Golly and Harry the Spy, which is my favorite Rosie performance she's ever done. Oh, yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. Chessie and Old Golly feel like kindred spirits in in this kind of preteen movie world. You know, this is the Disney version, and Old Golly's the Nickelodeon version. Like, that's how it works. Well, if I didn't know any better, I'd say it's almost like you were. Forget it. It's impossible. Almost as if I were who, Jesse? Nobody. Nobody. Forget I mentioned it. Almost as if I were Annie? You know about Annie? I am Annie. Ow. Oh. Hal, why did you take off on me like that? I told you I wanted to talk to you about something. Chessie, why are you looking at her like that? Like what? I'm not looking at her in any special way. I'm looking at her like I've looked at her for 11 years. Since the day she came home from the hospital. Six pounds, 11 ounces, 21 inches long. This is how I look at her. Can I hug her? Oh, she's so beautiful <laughs> and so big. <laughs> I'm gonna make you something special to eat. What would you like? Anything? You know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just gonna go whip up everything we've got. Okay. Right. I I would love to mention about how like because I think that uh that the parents you're really rooting for them. You want them to get back together. And I think that that's what makes this version superior to the original because in the original, they're not, the parents are mean to each other. They're like borderline abusive to each other. And it's like, these parents shouldn't get back together. Mm -hmm. These kids are making a mistake. Their lives are going to be worse. You were allowed to be mean to your spouse in the 60s. Yeah. Like, I've only seen the original twice. Once when I was a kid, I watched it to prepare for the new one because I've always been diligent like that. And then I watched it a few years ago and it's like man these parents need to stay divorced and you (laughs) never feel that in this movie in the remake they're you just you root for them so hard they're so sweet and they're so hot Mm -hmm. oh my god yeah they're so magnetic together and i do like that they kind of imply that it was rocky like you threw a hair dryer at my head and it's like okay but like that 
yes, we should not be throwing things at people, but no. I definitely understand, like, if you're having a big blowout fight with the father of your children and, like, something happens in that regard, I'm not excusing it, but, like, okay, I understand that. But every other interaction they have is so lovely. <laughs> yeah, that was a different time. In the in the original, they're, like, fighting in the current timeline. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know... Like, you know, I like to talk about, like, they were young. They didn't know what they were doing. My, what I wonder is how much, they had to have still had money. Like, there's no way that they got to where they are without some kind of uh, starting money. they were on a cruise ship, so they weren't struggling. Yeah. Whenever she's like, you're, you did it. You made your dreams come true. And it's like, okay, he couldn't have started, like, from the literal ground up to create that wine empire i sowed Uh, these seeds with a fistful of (laughs) grapes in a dream (laughs) i've always been under the impression that elizabeth james is the one who has always had money because like grandfather just has like rich guy energy so Mm -hmm. i feel like maybe that was part of the agreement of like take a baby and here's money and get out of my face Maybe, or he's a man and just fell upward. You know, that's also a very, very good yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to just lean totally into that, but I think that there is something very interesting to think about, like this versus the original, like, as I'm processing it right now, because I haven't seen the original, I've only ever seen this version, but like divorce was way less common in the 60s. Uh, it's very common in the 90s. And I think that there's something very interesting about like, kids in like maybe the 60s version going like no but we want a mom and a dad because it's normal to have a mom and a dad and even if they're bad for each other I think that there's something uh thematically interesting about wanting your parents get back together with like these rose-colored glasses versus this where it is much more of a fantasy in a time where divorce is significantly more normalized where it's like oh no but like they, they can't it can be okay like maybe your kids it almost feels like it's a it's a dream or an escapism that one, you have a twin out there somewhere, which is nice, but also that like maybe your parents could get back together when everyone's parents are struggling uh, relationship wise and splitting up. I think there's definitely yeah. something to that. I mean, I can't speak to it because my parents are very much still because your love parents love together. each other. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but both of you are are you know children of of divorce. So I'm just curious, like how this story, I guess, resonates with you. And what's interesting is both of you are very, like, very chill with your parents not being together. Um, So, I I don't know. I'd love to hear from your experience because you actually have them. I can't even imagine my parents being together. It's, like, wild to think about. They're so different. Um, But, like, so I've been through – I've had five step-parents in my life. Um, My parents really, really love to get married. And they're like, (laughs) let's try it again. Yeah, maybe this time. And uh, and but when this came out, I was still on my first set of step parents. Um, but as I the older I get and the more I watch it, it's like it, it is. It's like I said before. It's like it's there's a comfort to it where even though I, no part of me wants that, it's still like really nice to see it happen. It's like it's like it's like why I love any kind of romance movie. It's like this is all ridiculous, but it's really comforting and sweet. And that's why I love Nancy Myers too. Good. Let Meryl Streep have a bazillion dollar kitchen. I'm into it. I want to watch that because it makes me, it's like, it's just fun fantasy. Um, can't think about it too hard. Yeah. Like I, I think it's actually really fun to think about this movie as like, obviously it's like a Disney movie. It's like a kid's movie, but it's secretly like this big Nicholas Sparks lifetime romance movie wrapped up in it where it's like also like it's, it would be like a, a romance novel, but it's got Dennis Quaid with long hair on the cover. 
where it's about a man who's worked with his hands, and that's the kind of guy you fall in love with in every kind of romance story about this, because he's just rugged enough. Like, it. there's something to this that I wonder how many parents, like, the moms in particular, were like, I don't know, I think that there's, like, a genuinely nice romance story to this movie. We were talking about that um, during the scene where Chessie is explaining to who she thinks is Hallie, but is actually Annie. Like, I don't know what that woman sees in your father. And it's like, she's beautiful and wonderful. And, you know, he's eating chili out of a cereal bowl and he's got his shirt like untucked or whatever. She's like, what is, you know, so clearly she must be a gold digger. And Harmony and I are both like, but Nick is literally every guy in a lifetime, like, Christmas movie where like the girl from the like the big city business goes back to her hometown and there's a guy in a flannel like that's the guy is Nick Parker like he's that guy but he lives lab. in one of the mansions from The Bachelor <laughs> right <laughs> yeah he is kind of the like a perfect man in uh-huh. a lot of ways uh it just too bad he has a kid uh. oh god <laughs> dead weight over here gotta send those brats off to switzerland why is it always switzerland like was there just like a decision that was made at one point in hollywood where anytime there was going to be a threat to ship children in america off to boarding school it was switzerland because i feel like that is a trope that has never been explained to me (laughs) maybe they just have a really good like school system over there that's true um most school systems are better than ours so i would believe this Maybe it's just a nice place to send them like a farm upstate and it'll be picturesque, like the sound of music or something. <laughs> Look at them. They're so much better off up there. So, okay. Speaking of though, Nick and Liz, I love watching them fall in love. I love the way they look at each other. Again, it's just that Nancy Myers magic throughout this whole movie. But I especially love the kind of like missed connection thing that happens where you have like the, the lean out the elevator Mm -hmm. and then the falling into the pool because there is something just so lived in about both of their performances where I fully believe these are two people who were once in love and I can't put my finger on like why it is so good. It's probably just Nancy Myers, but like it's like, I believe them. I fully believe in this love story. The just, they just have chemistry. Some They used to make movies and make sure that the people in the romance had chemistry before they cast them. Uh, it's crazy that they used to do that. Uh, what good times those were. And that plus Nancy Myers, like every, like I, I, I think it's so funny that she shows up drunk, but I'm so glad that by the time they speak, she's sobered up because mm-hmm. that would, I would have hated that. Yeah. If she would have been just like really messy when they were mm. first talking. Yeah, that would not have hit the way that it does. I do like that, like, Meredith gets to see her a little messy <laughs> at the bar when she, like, lets out that huge burp. Um, that, I think, is great because it also immediately humanizes her to Meredith because Meredith obviously is, like, she's essentially talking to her, like, oh, my God, I'm sitting next to Vera Wang. Like, that's who Elizabeth James is in this mm-hmm. world. And so for her to see her like, <laughs> you know, getting a little bit hair, of the dog, the bitch, yeah. And then burping, um, uh, you know, that immediately makes it so that she doesn't have Elizabeth James on this like unattainable pedestal, the way that I feel like she would be and be way more threatened than she already is. Once she discovers like, this is my fiance's ex-wife. I think that scene is really important in a very small way that I feel like maybe I'm the only person on the planet who's really thought about it that much Um, because I don't think people invest in a burp. But there's something really (laughs) important about that burp to me. (laughs) No, I I, I agree. I think you're right. So 
once the the big reveal happens, um, the girls have to go on the infamous camping trip. And the thing I love about the infamous camping trip is that originally it was supposed to be mom, dad, and the kids. And then mom decides like, well, Meredith should come. Well, actually, Meredith inserts herself first because she does not trust mom and dad alone, which is fair. <laughs> I, I, I'll give you that. I would not trust them either. Um, and then once Meredith decides she's going, that's when mom is like, nope, I'm not going. So in that moment, it's like, oh, so that's where they get it from because mm-hmm. you know exactly <laughs> what's going to happen with Meredith in the wilderness and you are playing into this. I like you. The women in this family are schemers. <laughs> and I like that it's not I, she's not doing it because she wants Nick she's doing it because she doesn't want this woman around her kids mm-hmm. uh, is is what I think I like I think she's setting her up because it's like this woman has got to get out of my family's way um, and I I love when Chessie's like I'd pay big money to see that woman climb a mountain <laughs> it's, it's she's literally walking a mile in like some hiking boots to just see what it's like and her like her like fitness wear Lane Hendricks looks so good she, she does. Looks, she looks so good. Her athletic wear in this reminds me a lot of Alexia Wheaton's gym outfit in Wish Upon a Star, but it's pants instead of shorts. Mm-hmm. It's just like that, like the the crop top thing. It, oh, it's it's a great look. She's it great. is a super good look. <laughs> the I, the thing I really love about this, which is uh, the, the, that Meredith can't keep up uh, when they're hiking. And granted, they're putting like rocks in her Prada camping bag that is not meant for camping to weigh her down. But also, I'm sitting there going. No, there's no way that Annie also was hiking ever. She's not an outdoor kid. She would be winded too. That's a really good I point. I relate to <laughs> Meredith so hard though in this scene because as I said before, I hate nature. I don't yeah. I, I don't want to go camping. I don't want to go hiking. I don't want to drink lizard bottles. I, I, I'm like, I don't blame her. I don't want to eat trout that was just caught either. Um and delicious. Uh, I would eat it now. When I was okay. eight, no. Uh, See, I'd just be dead because I'm allergic, so I guess I'm starving on this <laughs> camping trip. I guess I got to go find that lizard and hope for the best. I do like that line, though, where she's like, I'm going to kill my trainer who lied to me and said I was in such good shape. I'm, I'm glad that they like acknowledge that she seems like someone who could easily do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has a she has like the aesthetically pleasing fitness like muscles, but not actually <laughs> yeah. good practical muscles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love <laughs> I love the camping scene because one, they're so mean to her. And like, to be fair, like I understand why they don't want her, but they are just terrorizing her in ways that are <laughs> really upsetting. Um, but putting her on the, uh, the inflatable mattress in the lake, classic uh-huh. prank. I love that vine. <laughs> yeah. there, there's a vine uh, where that happens for those of you who are not around for vine. And they just do that to a guy and he wakes up and screams and then falls in. See, like, out. in both instances, I don't know what standing up on the mattress was supposed to achieve. <laughs> yeah, you're not, that's, you're going to put all the weight in the Panic. middle, it's going to sink, it's just not, yeah. no, you got to stay flat, stay flat and Yeah, it's like, they, they, they clearly did not think this out. I realized that everyone woke up and they're like half asleep and now they're like, why am I in a body of water? But like, getting up out of bed is not the solution. <laughs> in the original, they like, stand on each other's shoulders in the lake to make her think it's shallow. And like, that's so much, that's so lame in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> just like right. trying to drown her. <laughs> oh God. And I mean, this is kind of the, the breaking point for Meredith. This is the last time we see her um, because she gives Nick the ultimatum of me or them, which 
for somebody who has, I think that moment to me says a lot about Meredith because she's talked about how like, you know, she also had like divorced parents and she understands this world and whatever, whatever. But the fact that she then is like, like choose tells me that throughout her life, her parents always chose the partner over her. Like that's what that tells me with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Nick is like, nope, uh, I picked my kids. That was fucked up of you to do. And then we never see her again. She goes away. And I like to think that she went back to, I think San Francisco is where she's from. She went back to San Francisco and is continuing to be like a very good PR lady and found somebody who has all the money that she wants, but that like, they they have a mutual understanding of why they are together and they are much happier this way. I appreciate the honesty, you know? Yes, exactly. The the honesty is good. If you if you just want to marry somebody for money and not for love, as long as everyone's on the same page, who fucking cares? Knock yourself mm-hmm. out. <laughs> so then that, you know, leads to we got we gotta speed run and get these get these these parents back together. And the lengths that these girls go to to make this happen. And then again, like it is implied like, well, grandfather helped a lot to like, you know, get us a fucking boat um, (laughs) to to do this like magical please fall in love with each other reunion. Um, It's just sweet. And it's so sweet that it's painful, but I love it and I can't help loving it. Like, like we said at the start, you, you just can't think about it too deep because once you do and you start realizing all the cracks, then this becomes like a deeply fucked up movie. Um, so just don't think about it. Just don't think about it too much. When they, when the end scene, when, when they're like talking about the, the airlines, like that get you there and have, do those airlines still exist? I don't know. Is it uh continental? I think they say, I don't know. I think about that a lot where it's like, I, it's like, like, Pan Am, Pan Am. Oh, yeah, I didn't say that right. Um, I don't know why that always like I always I always just start thinking about the logistics of how a plane can get you there in half the time. Yeah, I, I guess I guess the idea is that they would have maybe fewer layovers. It's a direct mm. flight or something like that. Mm-hmm. But come on, like y'all have money, you can afford a direct <laughs> flight. You can get a private plane. Yeah, they they basically get a private plane to get Hallie back from summer camp. Money, you have money for to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I also will say that, like, when they get married and it's like the credits, it's like here's the montage of all the photographs and stuff like that. Um, for being a wedding dress designer, Elizabeth James has a very modest dress, and she I does. got well I, second I, wedding. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. It's less exciting the second time around. I, w- it, I will also give a defense of the Elizabeth James wedding wear because it does evoke a similar feeling to one of my other favorite uh, second marriages. It's not actually like a second marriage, but when Miranda on Sex and the City gets married and she gets married in a red power suit, it's because they keep giving her like white dresses and she's like, no white, no off white, no eggshell, no beige. I have a kid. The jig is up. (laughs) Like, and that (laughs) very much feels like the same energy she's bringing of like, yeah, I don't need to do like the, the whole to do as like the bride because we have children. Like the, the the symbology behind this is, is not needed anymore. She's she's not a virgin anymore. (laughs) Right. She's a classy lady. She has a child. Like they, they don't need to do this. Speaking of power suits though, like, can we just talk about the fact that there is a, a, a small Lindsay Lohan who wears a fucking like child sized power suit in this movie and it's awesome. <laughs> She's like the blue, the blue uh-huh. one. Yeah, I love the 
the outfits of them because they do play by the Mary Kate and Ashley logic of one of you has to be a little bit more tomboyish and one of you has to be a little bit prissier uh, because they'll put them in like the same colors, but then it very much is like, oh, Hallie has like a tank top and patterned shorts and Annie has like a cute little dress with a Peter Pan collar, but they're the same color Mm because heaven forbid you forget they're twins (laughs) because they have the same face because they're played by the same person. (laughs) Uh, I, I love little dumb things like that because from all the twins that I'm friends with, that's actually like usually not very common. They end up being pretty similar, like obviously different because they're not the exact same person, but it's not as common with at least my friend groups of the twins being like opposites in that way, which is why there's always like memes about it whenever people are opposite. Cause it's not common, but Hey, Mary Kate and Ashley movies have, you know, given everybody anything they needed to know about twins. So I think a lot of people are just operating off of like, oh, I've seen Mary-Kate and Ashley. I know how twins work. (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito have molded our perception of what twins are. (laughs) I just rewatched that movie. What a classic. Ah, just a hoot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that that takes us out on The Parent Trap. So Harmony, the question remains. The Parent Trap is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, a maybe? Or are you buying them a ticket so they can go on their own? No, this is just the lovely little movie. This is just really good. It's it's a star-making performance for Lindsay Lohan, who's just, like, you know. You know when you watch her, like, no, you've got it. Like, spotty British accent at, t- at times aside, like, you've got this. You're a star. And everyone else is just lovely. So, yeah, no, I, I have no complaints about this movie. Because even the things that are a little wonky are, like, funny, and I love them. So, yeah, this is a big yes. Oh, wonderful. Love that. Love it. Jamie, thank you again so much for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet if you would like them to find you on the internet? Oh, yes. Thank you for having me again. Um, I am Jamie Cinematics on Letterboxd. That is my favorite app of social medias. I'm Jamie Jirak on Instagram. And I don't know, it seems like Twitter's dying. So I'm, I'm Jamie Jirak on threads. Is that going to be the new thing? We'll find out. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> yeah oh god yeah we're we're still for the pod on twitter and instagram at this ends at prom i am on twitter instagram tiktok threads blue sky at bj colangelo god you're just getting it you're collecting sites aren't you just I getting just, all of them i just i've had i've been doxxed before and i've had people make fake accounts pretending to be me so it's it's one of those things where it's like at minimum i just need the landing page because i need to make sure that i have my own name Oh, it's like how on the Blue Sky thing, the Sonic the Hedgehog account is not Sonic the Hedgehog? Yes, because someone else took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter for now or whatever, and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velocit underscore trap underscore tour, and I'm also on Blue Sky at Harmony Colangelo. Ooh, look at you using your name. Aw, cute. My government <laughs> name. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you, as always, to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use title as our theme song. Harmony, what band do you want people to check out this week, inspired by The Parent Trap? So the soundtrack to The Parent Trap is kind of awesome, Like especially like the first half of the movie where it's a bunch of like standards and also uh, there's a Shonen Knife cover of The Carpenters that's great. Uh, I I think that like it's a, it's really a, it's a it's a sleeper for like really good licensed music. Uh, also like same girl used for the handshake with the butler is like great, even though there's no lyrics during that during that part. It's awesome. So anyway, I just needed something to capture the energy of this, so I'm going with a little bit of a dance rock band. So this week we are shouting out Praise Kink. Great name. 
It's, it's just such a good name. It wasn't apparently a, their original name. It was something else. But now they're going by Praise Kink, and I think that that's so much better for it. Uh, they're a Los Angeles-based rock band. They do a little bit like power pop, but like more in the modern definition of what a power pop, like a post-Latigra power pop kind of dance band. And they've been releasing singles for a while, but I think that their last three are my favorite songs by them. So by all means, check out Gold Star, Set Myself on Fire, and Crying All the Time. I think that they're super duper fun. And they were even, I put them on our our monthly playlist on the Patreon this month as well. So like, they're around. Beautiful. So yeah, everybody, make sure to check out Praise Kink. I did get to listen to a little bit. It has a lot of energy of like the camp scene specifically. Mm-hmm. Like if there was a playlist that Rainbow Tie Dye Girl was gonna make for Hallie, it this band would be on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so t- take that for what you will. Um, but that takes us out on the movie. Thank you again for listening. And as always, save that last dance for us. Um, bye. Bye. Young and beautiful is not a crime, you know. Hate to break it to you, Angel, but you are no longer the only girl in Nick Parker's life. Get over it. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.